what do you do when how you feel doesn't match your data? I said, well, isn't that the golden question for 2021, right? That intuition has got to triumph the data. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 125 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Renee, joined by my beautiful sister, Lauren, today. Hi, Nazy. <laughs> Hi, this is Lauren. We got just the babes today to close out 2021. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it's our final episode of the year. So exciting. Always nice to do it with you to, you know, recap, close out the year. So, you know, really a lot happened in 2021 as far as everything goes in the health and wellness industry. You know, the pandemic sure taught us a lot. Lots of good stuff, right? Focus on the positive things that happened. And as biohackers, we really... (laughs) We tried a lot, we learned a lot, and we thought before we move into 2022, which still sounds so crazy in my mind, we think it's really important to just like digest and reflect on all the experiences we had this year. So today we are going to recap our year of wellness, biohacking, podcasting, and then we're going to dive into what we think is coming in the new year as far as some exciting new health trends fortune telling a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I always love guessing and see if we get it right. We usually do. We've been on a good streak the past couple of years. So we'll see if we get 2022, right? Yeah. Though I feel like some of the fortune telling is, is cheating a little bit because before things come into mainstream, they've been in the biohacking space for years. True. Actually, this is so funny. I have this magazine article that I pulled I guess mom gets random magazines, maybe from the office. And so she throws them on the table. And when I have time just to mindlessly kind of turn pages, I look through them and I found this page that had recipes for different types of mashes that were not potatoes. They were like root vegetable mashes. And the picture was so beautiful because it was like this beautiful color, purple and and bright orange. I was like, I'm going to make those. So I folded it and I put it up on my desk. And then I noticed just yesterday that on the side of the recipe is something totally unrelated. It says social jet lag in all caps. And then it's a definition of social jet lag (laughs) explaining that it's the discrepancy between sleep patterns and work, right? And like the, why am I defining this? We wrote an ebook about circadian rhythms and social jet lag. So I just thought that was funny. This is November, 2021. This magazine came out. And so that term obviously is seeping into the mainstream and that's something we've been talking about for a while. So that's cool. It's really cool that people are going to start becoming hip to more circadian rhythm stuff. Yeah. I mean, we wrote that book in like the middle of 2020 and I feel like people were like, what is social jet lag? So yay, mainstream. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Especially (laughs) with the pandemic. I think a lot of people are experiencing more social jet lag, just getting off of our schedules and rhythms. So 
Yeah. I I think there's like a huge rubber band effect. I mean, when we wrote that, I think it was our web designer was like, are you sure you want to do that? Like no one's traveling right now, but look what happened this year. Like all of a sudden people are all over the place. The airports are crazy. People are like making up for lost time. Not everyone, but I think in general, I've just definitely seen like an increase in, in travel and socializing and people are like, whoa. Yeah. I know Vegas had its like record year. 2021, like the most tourists I think they've ever had in history. It's insane when you deprive people. That's what happens. Yeah. They go to (laughs) Vegas and party. Yeah. (laughs) Letting loose. Nuts. So we got some health trends that we're going to recap from this year and then maybe kind of forecast what's been brewing and what will potentially be more mainstream next year. So let's start with a recap from this year. So we made a list of what we think were the top health trends, things that are really coming to the surface more and more. And I couldn't help myself. I put number one on this list, plant medicines and psychedelics, entheogens, um, whatever you would like to call them. They're absolutely entering the mainstream Though I guess you could argue that not everyone has been turned on to them. I was talking to mom about this. I was like, it's everywhere. Like it's on every Google page and every advertisement and Instagram, like everything I open in my email, all I see is that. But of course we know that the internet feeds us more of what we're already looking at. So it's certainly a biased perspective, but we're seeing it in the news. More studies are coming out. Um, More mainstream publications are reporting on the studies. And you went to a conference this year. Yeah. The fact that there was the uh, Meet Delic conference in Vegas. I mean, two full days all about psychedelics. And it was cool because it was definitely a blend of, you know, more of the medical community, biohackers, and then just some kind of hippies. There were definitely people that looked like they came right out of Burning Man there, EDC. Like it was a really cool blend of people, but all day for two days, all about, I mean, ketamine, MDMA, psilocybin. I mean, those are definitely at the top, but, and then this past weekend I was at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and I'm walking around the expo hall and somehow that topic kept coming up. Like I'd find myself in conversations with physicians about MDMA. Like that wouldn't have happened. I feel like a year ago, especially not two years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely circulating. Yeah. It's really interesting how quickly I feel like this year because this, what well, we we call it the third wave, right? There was a an initial wave hundreds of years ago. We know that our ancestors were using plant medicines. There's a lot of evidence to support that. And then there was a second wave, 60s and 70s. Of course, that got shut down by the government, President Nixon. And then this third wave started in 1999. Roland Griffiths basically convinced Johns Hopkins to start studying these medicines. And so since 1999, they've been in research. Like it just wow. didn't happen in 2020. I didn't know it's been that long. Yeah. But there was just such a hard shutdown of it in the seventies. I mean, it was part of like the anti-war movement and it really became like a cultural thing that was then canceled. We did have a cancel culture then, believe it or not. <laughs> and so, you know, it really changed people's percept- uh, perspectives on it. And it's just kind of been like a, a no-go for the mainstream for the public. I don't think we've been ready for it, but anyways, the studies have been done and sort of like the top research facilities like maps and USONA Institute are almost completed with their phase two and phase three clinical trials of psilocybin and MDMA. 
which the government is not funding. So they're, they are getting these funds from private companies and yeah, there's a lot of activity moving towards decriminalization, medicalization, legalization. A lot of states just in the U.S. have really made some big strides in this last year. So I think that's really cool. I think what we need to know, what the public needs to know is that a lot of psychiatry is focused on symptom reduction and not root cause. And right, that's our buzzword. <laughs> we always want to get to the root cause. And we're in a mental health epidemic, especially after the pandemic. And what plant medicine offers us is an opportunity to create a deep dive into our subconscious. And it gives us tools to address these crises that we have been faced with, surrounded with. I don't know, we're finding ourselves, you know, like in this well, it's kind of hard to dig ourselves out of. And a lot of us turn to medications or even just traditional treatment like therapy, which once was what is the gold standard. No, I wasn't going to say, I wasn't going to say the gold standard. I mean, now it is, but I feel like people really look down upon it. Like it was frowned upon uh, for uh, so uh. long. You were judged for going to therapy. Now it's like, whatever, I go to therapy. Everyone goes to therapy, right? Right, right. <laughs> and that's really important. But I think with this crisis that we are facing, we need more tools. And so I think it's pairing the science with some of these ancient practices of plant medicine, which really help us with integration, which is the missing piece. Even in therapy, we don't have a lot of integration. With modern psychiatry medications, we don't have integration. I just learned this from my teacher, Paul Austin, that they're finding that, um, oh, so they found out that Prozac is actually no more effective than a placebo. And that's because we're putting way too much focus on the drugs rather than the support community integration, which is really the focus. So actually I'm going to put that on the future forecast is just more of a shift towards integration practices for all aspects of health. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually talked to a lot of friends about this lately where they maybe have done therapy a couple of times, a couple of years, didn't really feel like they saw a lot of benefit from it. And then they did one or two plant medicine uh, experiences or retreats and like did practice the integration and they had a tremendous benefit from it. Um, actually a friend the other day, she was saying like she had severe childhood trauma and she's been in therapy her whole life and like has not been able to get through it. And with some of these things that we're talking about, she finally, it feels like she had a breakthrough. Mm. That's incredible. And she's, you know, mid thirties. So yeah. And I heard really so many awesome. of those stories at Meet Delic too. I mean, there was a Vietnam vet that came back that with severe PTSD, he tried to commit suicide twice. And with MDMA therapy, he's, I mean, like a new person. And he's now lecturing all around the world about how it changed his life. So yeah, it's like therapy can be great. But I think once that hour long therapy session is over, right. It's like, well, how do you integrate that? And I think when we use these plant medicines and we're actually affecting the neural pathways. Mm-hmm. You know, rewiring your brain is so helpful. Like you can only talk so much, but if you're not rewiring the brain, you're not going to have that long lasting effect. Mm-hmm. Pretty exciting really stuff. awesome. It's yeah. so exciting. So now we just have to make sure that we're educated and that it rolls out in a safe and effective way. So I guess to jump down to another one on our list going out of order is developing a spiritual practice. We thought that was a much bigger health trend this year. There's more emphasis on building consciousness and awareness and a different kind of self-care because self-care has been around for a while, but really like tuning in, I'm just going to use feelings and needs because that's 
that's a word that we love or a term we love after going through be loved now. And I think that's also sort of like a drop into the work similar to plant medicine, the be loved now program that we just completed. I feel like it's just years of therapy in 12 weeks. It's pretty astounding what we just completed. I mean, it was, it was 84 days, I believe, right. Where we, we meditated, we journaled, we contemplated on like the question of the day. And I'm not going to lie. When I started, I was like 84 days. Like I'm definitely going to miss days here and there, whatever. And I did it. And it's like, it feels amazing. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to feel like you have homework to do. I always felt like it was a chore. I was like, oh, I got to go do my homework. I have to do my meditation and journaling. And at some point, I want to say halfway through the 84 days, suddenly it just changed. There was like a switch that went off in my brain where suddenly it wasn't, I have to go do this. I was like, I get to go journal because you get better at it. And the journaling just uh, like uncovers, reveals so much. And it was exciting. Like, I I can't believe I was like excited (laughs) to see what came out of my soul and my heart onto the paper. It was really cool. So they're doing another program in January and we highly recommend it. Kathy and Laura are incredible. It's an amazing group of women and you get that community support integration that you can't get from a self-help book. You certainly, it probably is going to take a lot of time in therapy. Actually, I shared last night, there was a discovery call for the next program. And I shared with them that, you know, I've been going to therapy for six years, weekly, consistently, and I never had the feelings and needs tools. And so I think, you know, sometimes you can't get the most out of your therapy because I didn't even have a resource to figure out what I needed. And of course, it kind of falls on the therapist to, to see and to, I think, intuitively pull out of you what maybe what you need, but I don't know. Be love now gave us incredible resources where I'm just so clear. Like I can drop into exactly what I need and with the spiritual guiding principles, which if you do the program and okay, now we're selling it, honestly, (laughs) you should do it. (laughs) You want to know what these 12 guiding spiritual principles are. They will change your life. And it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. If you have a lot of trauma, a little trauma, if you have anxiety, small or large, like it is for everyone. Yeah. Women. Sorry, women. Just for women. Only women. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, but just women. (laughs) Everyone, but just women. Yeah. So we'll put more information about that in the show notes. And then if you have any questions about it, we are happy to share more about it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So I guess just one more that goes in this category, or at least is very similar is breath work definitely became more trendy. And I think (laughs) there's just so many breath work apps out there and, and perhaps usage has increased as an alternative to meditation, which many people still believe very firmly that they are not good at, which we'll say again and again, is not the point. Like no one's good at it. It's a practice, but I do think that breath work is much more accessible and can be useful in small doses. Like you can just, wherever you are, just start focusing on your breath. And if you need to calm your nervous system, you focus on a slow, deep exhale, or if you need energy, you focus on quicker, faster breaths. Like you can do that anywhere. Whereas meditation generally requires more time to really drop in and, and kind of, um, slow down the pace of your thoughts. So I think that's a really great tool for stillness 
for people that I think more, more people are turning on to because meditation just kind of seemed a little too out there, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, there's just endless tools now. There's so many apps available. And I mean, one of the things I played with this year with breath work was the leaf device, which is looking at heart rate variability training using breath work. And I think we're going to see more of that, you know, next year coming out. But I always think back to Dr. Jay Wiles, who did an awesome episode with us of all that HRV. He said the quickest way to improve your HRV is breath work, like hands mm. down. That is the best mm. way to do it. Um, and I, I think you can't really argue that if you just sit there and do a couple like box breathing exercises or something, you feel it immediately in your body. Yeah. Which we're maybe seeing on a new app that we're going to be playing with. Yeah. I think that's a new thing coming. We can't then, tell you details yet, but it's coming. Yeah. And then also our good friend, Robbie Bent with his new app, Othership. Yeah. Robbie, he is so cool. So he's trying to make, if you guys remember, he's trying to make biohacking the cool thing to do on a Friday night. He's been sober for many, many years, and he really wants to create a social environment where it's cool just to gather and do breath work or sauna, cold heat therapy, you know, some, maybe some ecstatic dance, but I went to a breath work event that he held with like multiple musicians, multiple breath work facilitators. And, uh, you know, there is also the option to add in plant medicine, but the idea is that you can access these brain states that you feel when you're socializing and drinking like that sense of euphoria, or maybe like the dopamine hit that you actually can access that just through breath work and music and connecting with people. Like we started the event by sitting in a circle and sharing the hardest thing that we did this year and something that we were really proud of and just building that that trust and being vulnerable with strangers, which we never do sitting at a bar, even with our own friends, it tends to be kind of surface. So I just think uh, breathwork is powerful in so many ways. And, and one of those many benefits is, is connecting with others. Yeah. And I also just experienced the frequency mind breathwork class. This is actually out of Chelsea in New York city. Mm -hmm. So closer to you, Lauren, but they were here in Vegas at the event. And what they're doing is they're setting up these domes that fit, I would guess, maybe 16 people, you know, yoga mats all around, probably similar to what you experienced. And it's a 45 minute guided breathwork session. And it was weird at the end. I almost felt like I had just done plant medicine. Like I had this euphoric feeling I'm like, yeah, did they sneak something in here? Is there something in the air? Like <laughs> it was just breath work. That was their goal. Yeah. Yeah. And she even said at the end, she said, treat your body today in the following days, like you just did a plant medicine ceremony. She said, this breath work is just as powerful. So I thought mm. that was really cool. So she's like, you know, stay hydrated, so be gentle, yeah, be gentle with yourself, rest a lot, all of that. But so frequency mind is another one to check out. I know they are trying to spread all around the U S um, but they're based out of New York right now. So exciting things coming there. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's going to be, I don't mean to jump to forecasting either, but I think that's going to having these events. And I think if you guys are listening and interested in that and you want to organize something like, let's do it, let's start putting together these social events that don't involve toxic alcohol and where we can actually enhance our connections and just mood. Yeah, definitely. All right. Another big one for 2021 is metabolic health and using a CGM or continuous glucose monitor 
we talked a lot about our experiences with CGMs and it's definitely becoming more mainstream. I'm seeing it more and more on the back of people's arms, the little CGM. I was actually doing the virtual reality workout the other day and the coach Leanne, I don't know if you've seen this, Lauren, she had a CGM on. No way. Yeah. Do you know what company? I couldn't tell. It was a black sticker, but I wasn't sure if it was levels or not. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So, and I'm learning that more and more people are able to get them through their doctors. So where levels, you know, you're paying out of pocket for that. I'm finding more doctors are willing to prescribe these CGMs. They're covered by insurance. And it's really just the best way to optimize your metabolic health. Because again, we're all different, different foods, life experiences, workouts, biohacks are going to affect our glucose in different ways. So unless you're testing 24 seven, you're just, you're really not going to know what's going on. And, and the reason why I picked this for 2021 is because, you know, when the pandemic started, you know, it was kind of the wild, wild west. A lot of us were like, why is this impacting some people more than others? You know, some people are ending up in the hospital. Obviously some people are dying, like what's going on. And I think this year it became very clear that metabolic health was the key. Mm-hmm. And the CDC has even released some interesting research uh, recently that I wanted to share. So what they found was the biggest risk factors for hospitalization from COVID-19 was number one, hypertension, number two, disorders of fat metabolism, and number three, obesity, all signs of metabolic health. And then to go one step further, the CDC reported the strongest risk factor for death from COVID-19 was number one, obesity. Number two, this one's interesting, anxiety and fear-related disorders. So a little bit more mental health going on there. And then number three, diabetes. So back to blood sugar. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I think some people have maybe gone down the camp of staying home. There's a lot of fear, which I think, you know, fear in itself is a big issue. But then there's another camp that they're working out more at home. They're changing their diet. They're trying to get as healthy as they can right now because they know that's the best way to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, this is just one virus. There's going to be. There's going to be more mutations, more variants. There's going to be other viruses down the road. Like we live on planet earth. This is never going to go away. So I think if we can keep ourselves metabolically healthy, it's going to support everything in our body, especially our immune system. So take care of your body the best you can. Yeah. There was a study that came out last week that very clearly said that SARS-CoV-2 attacks fat cells. Of course we know that from all this research, but mom and I were reading it. I was like, Oh, that just makes it so clear and explicit. It goes after fat cells. That's why we're seeing these risk factors. Yeah. So it's something to pay attention to. And we know like diabetes, there's a lot of inflammation associated with diabetes. And we also know COVID is an inflammatory disorder. And so like call to action, let's deal with our inflammation. We have so much inflammation, unnecessary, unnecessary inflammation. Yeah. Um, I also, right. And I've also heard that the vaccine is potentially less effective in obese patients. And they think it's because of the, the inflammation, Mm -hmm. obese patients have so much inflammation and the vaccine is just disrupting that even more. So that's just another call to action. Yeah. And just come back to the CGM. I mean, it's really awesome that a healthy population is getting hip to this because it's the trend of diabetes. We're moving towards more and more people having diabetes. And we know prevention is huge and our healthcare system doesn't support that because they don't have the resources or the time and maybe some (laughs) alternative motivations there. But 
we have to empower ourselves to get this information. And it's, it's astounding what people can learn from it. And my work with levels and seeing clients come in, they're like, man, really thought I ate healthy, but the CGM tells another story. And it's a huge, huge learning opportunity that, you know, we wouldn't have without this technology. And I do, you know, I have so much compassion and I certainly send a lot of love to the population that is already diabetic. And I think that they still need further research and help. And I think there's some promising research to support that population, but you know, we, we can still move forward and do research on healthy populations as well, because we, we have to prevent, have to. Yeah. Diabetes doesn't happen overnight. It's years of poor glucose control and then it's pre-diabetes and then it's diabetes. But like you said, prevention is way easier than reversing any of these issues. Um, and actually I was talking to someone yesterday who just got a CGM and they saw they ate half a banana and their glucose spiked to 175. Wait, was that on your call with? Yeah. <laughs> Did I spoil that? Yeah. He told me that too. <laughs> yeah. I, that like stuck with me. And I was like, well, that's kind of me with pineapple, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But also, oh gosh, this could be such a rabbit hole, but it's just... <laughs> I think it's interesting to learn that food is not the only cause, right? Like we see a lot of time on the data that you could eat the same meal three times and get totally different responses. And it's because we have to look at the way that we're eating our food, you know, what kind of stress is happening in the body? Are we dehydrated? Did we sleep? There's so many variables. And sometimes it's not just the banana. It's not just right. The healthy food that you think that you're eating. So for sure. It's very cool to learn. Yeah. <laughs> You're an expert on that topic. I love it. Getting there. Oh my gosh. Getting there. So <laughs> there's a lot, a lot to learn. Yeah. And I think, you know, another, another really cool thing we've seen come about this year is more on stem cells, exosomes, peptides. You know, we're seeing a lot of this for, I mean, people are using it for pain, skincare, anti-aging, you know, things, neurological disorders, a lot coming out. And I think this is definitely going to go into 2022 a little bit. We'll talk more about what we think is coming, but I think there's definitely more of an awareness around the topic, which is exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, the only other thing I think for this year is I've seen an increase in use with nootropics. I think a year ago you said the word nootropics and people were like, what the heck is that? <laughs> so these nootropics, it's really helping with brain optimization. So of course, we want to be doing all the basics for brain health, right? Diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, all of that. But once we're doing that, if we can take our brain up to the next level and be a little bit more like Bradley Cooper in the movie Limitless, like why not? We can get more things done, be more efficient with our time. That way we can maybe work less, spend more time with friends and family. Um, some of the things that have come out, you know, Newtopia, they have got some great new products this year. Of course, Blue Canatine, they've been out for a little bit. And I've even seen an increase in nicotine use, which I think is still, it's a little taboo when I mention nicotine, because I think people immediately think cigarettes and how damaging and mm -hmm. toxic that is. But nicotine by itself is actually an amazing nootropic. It helps uh, with you know focus, mental clarity. Keep in mind when you're smoking a cigarette, yes, the nicotine itself is so high in a cigarette, it can make you addicted to the cigarette but it's the other ingredients in the cigarette that are actually causing cancer and health issues, right? It's not mm -hmm. the nicotine. It's all the other crap in there. 
So by taking something like the Lucy gum or the blue canatine that has a very small dose of pure nicotine, none of the junk added, that's pretty awesome. And I personally find I like it in the afternoon because I used to be like a cup of coffee in the morning, cup of coffee in the afternoon. I've been able to cut out that second cup of coffee and I just do the nicotine and it only lasts about an hour. So it doesn't impact my sleep for the, you know, if I want to have it late in the afternoon versus coffee, if I have it after one o'clock, I'm like, Oh, my sleep's destroyed. Yeah. So me funny. too. Yeah. And again, I, I just think it's another learning opportunity. I, I love when this stuff becomes a little more mainstream because I think we have certain ideas and beliefs about things out there like cigarettes. And I think when something like clean nicotine comes out, it's a, it's like a great learning opportunity to find out what we can get from nature that actually can support our physiology. And a lot of the things that we've been conditioned to believe are maybe a little skewed or not totally accurate. So yeah, I love that more people are hip to the word nootropics and, but I don't know, I I still encounter people (laughs) pretty regularly that still don't know what biohacking is. So our work here is not done. <laughs> I just talked to someone yesterday. She was like, bio, she was like, spell that. I was like, B I really like you, <laughs> you want me to keep going? <laughs> bio hacking. Yeah. Anyways, we're moving in the right direction and trends as we speak about a lot are more important than anything else. We are dynamic. So period on that thought. <laughs> All right. So what's coming down the pipeline? Actually, no, this is not the forecast. This is what we think needs more attention still in this space. I think there is so much amazing technology, really cool products, devices. I mean, we went to, Renee, you went to a couple of conferences this year. I really just made it to upgrade. And I still just think there's too much focus on the data and not the integration. And if you guys, if you listen to us, Often, you know, that we talk about building intuition with the data. And I think that is not mainstream enough. I think we need to, I mean, myself included, pull away from our our data a little bit and just see how can we integrate and, and trust our own bodies to build this practice where we don't need them anymore. And I think speaking to Wade Lightheart, that was really inspiring earlier this year. Like he's never been a data guy. He's totally 100% intuition based. And I think that's really tough for people. So I think data can be the way that can be the gateway into learning, but I think we got to go that extra step and, you know, cut our tolerance from the devices and, and see what we can do without it. There's certainly always a time and place for these devices, but the intuition is the ultimate goal. And I don't think enough people are talking about that. Yeah. I was actually talking to some friends over the weekend about that. Um, someone said to me, cause they saw I had an aura ring and a bio strap on. They said, what do you do when how you feel doesn't match your data? I said, well, isn't that the golden question for 2021? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, sometimes you throw the data out the window because you say, you know, I feel amazing or I just feel like crap today. So I'm going to listen to that. Like that intuition has got to triumph the data for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. hopefully I think it does take some personal work to establish that intuition, but I think down the pipeline, we might see technology help us get there. Mm-hmm. Like with real-time biofeedback, things like that. We'll yeah. See. The real-time feedback is going to be monumental 
or I think something like levels is doing real-time feedback, but right now yeah. I don't think the algorithms truly know what is best for a healthy population. And so a lot of these clients that are coming to me that tend to be, you know, if you're using a CGM, you're probably well-educated and researched in this field. And they tend to be like a little more type A and like good students. And it's mm-hmm. devastating when, when you receive a bad grade, it's like, devastating to these people, to our emotions and nervous system, myself included. And I think there's, we're still not quite there in like the scientific algorithms as far as like creating true behavioral change, because I think there's a reaction that you get when you, when you get that feedback and we need to figure out how to actually keep positivity and motivation while receiving that feedback. Yeah. That's a great point. We're getting there. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, the whole thing with glucose in a healthy population, because that's still pretty new, we don't really know what's quote unquote healthy. Mm-hmm. So much of the research is on diabetics, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I think we have, we have that coming soon too. And then next up, I think just personalizing, we got to keep personalizing more and more and more. So many, it, my experience is that a lot of clients come in and have done their research and they're like, well, so-and-so in the space doctor or biohacking thought leader, whoever it is says, this is going to be good for my health or, you know, whatever diet trend is happening. This is supposed to be good for my health. The research supports this. And the question is always, well, does it work for you? Is it good for you? And you always have to determine that because you're not going to be the same as anyone else. We know this from biochemical individuality, which is like one of my all-time favorite books. We have to recognize and and constantly acknowledge that we are a different puzzle than everyone else. And we have testing available to help us get there. And I think genetics, I think some people in the biohacking space argue that genetics is not important. I still see quite a lot of value in looking at genetics. And so we use self-decode, which is a great way to really take a deep dive. And then, you know, we've talked about our favorite lab tests a lot this year, like the Dutch, the GI map, testing micronutrients. I mean, you want to know if something is good for you, the data is going to tell, tell you the data is very revealing. So I think that's an invaluable, invaluable piece of personalization. Yeah. And it's getting easier and easier to get these lab tests. Mm -hmm. I mean, five years ago, you needed a physician to order these, but now, I mean, you and I can order these for clients. Um, Some of the tests you can even just go online and get. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, hopefully more more doctors will script them and and more insurance will cover them. I feel like <laughs> in general yeah. insurance is not covering the Dutch or the GI map. So I did just have a client whose insurance completely covers the GI map. I was like, what is I need that? <laughs> yeah, what insurance? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So we just need more emphasis on it and we're certainly going in the right direction. Yeah, and then I think also exercise. I mean, we've seen such a shift in exercise trends in the last two years, I think with the pandemic, you know, gyms being closed. I mean, I'm back at orange theory fitness now I've been back for a while and it, it's still like one third capacity. Like I'm definitely seeing some people are just not going back. And I think along those lines, something that we want to see more attention go to is the minimum effective dose of exercise. You know, we had some great podcasts this year with like Mike from ARX, Dr. Jayquish with the X3 bar, you know, these things where we can really get this efficient exercise that's maybe not draining our nervous system and overdoing it. 
but getting the true long-term health benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so and I- just having accessible tools. I mean, at-home fitness has exploded, but you know, not everyone has a home gym. So what can you do that's easy? And X3 bar is certainly one of those. I know you and Ryan, that's primarily what you do for strength training. And Jeremy just got an X3 bar. Yay. So perfect on tour. Got X3 bar. Jeremy got X3 bar. Yeah. Perfect on tour. It fits in his trunk. And you know, with all the travel he does, you go from hotel to hotel or maybe Airbnb. And it's like, I feel like I should kneel next to my bed and be like, please, please let there be a good gym. And like, normally there isn't. So, oh, that's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Mine just goes right in my closet when I'm done. Cause like my house, I don't really have space for gym equipment to be laying around. It just don't. And mm-hmm. so I just throw it back in the closet when I'm done. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. In the closet. So, forget you have it. <laughs> yeah. But I think the other part of the minimum effective dose is also just figuring out what do you really need from exercise? I still think we're in this upward trend of we, we all need to exercise more. And for a lot of people that is true. We still do by like largely have a sedentary population, but there is a population that is still listening to that advice and they're, they're way overdoing it. And I know that it, it is mental health for a lot of people. It is like an emotional escape. And that is really valuable, but I still think you got to come back to the personalization. What does your physiology really need? I get clients asking me all the time, well, how, how many minutes, how many hours, how many, and I'm like, well, what do you, what's your goal? And so often they're like, don't know. Huh? They're like, what's your why? And you can come, you can lean on the data also to kind of guide you. But I think trying to figure out what do you really need to feel healthy and strong and also get your recovery in and have good longevity, like whatever your goal is, you got to make sure that that exercise schedule matches up with that. Cause a lot of people it's just, well, six days a week, I'm doing cardio for an hour. And like, I see it, I still see it a lot. Mm. Yeah. That cardio myth. If you are unfamiliar with that topic, definitely check out the episode with Dr. Jake Wish. talks all about chronic cardio and what's happening. He will trash that (laughs) (laughs) with some education to back it up. He's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's got the science to back it up and he looks amazing. So the body to back it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't argue with him. (laughs) Do you want to round out this list? We kind of already covered glucose in a healthy population. Yeah. Do we really know what's healthy? I think we, we need to learn more. Yeah. I think the final piece is a movement towards this newer term ancestral hacking So it's really combining biohacking with what our ancestors were doing. So this ancestral wisdom, I I love it. We can learn so much, right? And the tech, the data, this is all great, but let's not forget, maybe we just need to go outside and get some sunshine and ground our feet on the earth and get some fresh air. And anytime you're looking at a new health trend or health habit, I always like to say, what did our ancestors do? Right. Like we just did all this, uh, all about bone broth this past week, right? Like our ancestors were ancestors were eating bone broth or drinking bone broth all the time. So they were getting the collagen and the glycine and the glutamine, all these amazing things. And now we're learning to incorporate that again. Yeah. It's like (laughs) not new, new fancy food. Right. Right. (laughs) Nothing is really that new. I mean, maybe peptides and things. I don't think our ancestors were injecting those, but but combining this ancestral wisdom with the technology and data of 2021, 
I think there's a real, you know, great blend that we can incorporate there. Yeah. And just to tie it back to where we started this episode, learning from ancient practices with plant medicines too, because I think with this rise into the mainstream, more people are experimenting experimenting and exploring that. I think we're missing this piece of the ancient wisdoms and, and traditions that really inform the why behind it and also like the environment that really supports it. And so you went to the fun psychedelic conference. I went to the more clinical kind of dry and boring, which I learned lots from, but it certainly Very different. not delicate with like people walking around in Burning Man attire. But I think the big takeaway from that conference is that plant medicines tend to be like a rich white man's activity these days. And a lot of people Mm. are just kind of experimenting for the fun of it. And it's like they jump from one thing to the next without any cultural context, without really embracing the ancient wisdoms, because there's a reason like our ancestors didn't do it to party or, you know, not just to isolate and increase consciousness, because that is such a complex field. And I, there's, I think the call to action is to really embrace these practices as they were initially introduced into our, our lives, which is a huge connection to nature and also doing them in community and involving things like music and dance. So we can really embody the practice. So yeah. yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. I can't help but think about this meme that's been going around and it was like, how did our ancestors discover which mushrooms? And it was like, oh mm. yeah, I it. it was like, mm, this one tastes like beef. Oh, that one killed Brian. Oh, this one makes me see God for a week. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, you can look at any plant medicine. Like, how did they discover that hawthorn berry helps with cardiovascular issues? I mean, it's really incredible if you look at what our ancestors have learned. This I know. Is wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that one killed oh. Brian. Oh, that one killed Kenny. Oh no. <laughs> I know. Poor Brian. Why did that? <laughs> yeah. Surely South Park has done an episode about that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. We're going to move back, uh, move on to a more personal conversation, but we're going to try to keep it quick. Top experiences from the year. Conferences are back. Renee, you went to a ton. What is like a a highlight for maybe all of them that you went to? Oh man, I think I'm kind of jumping ahead, but community. Like this was the first year that I spent way more time in the expo hall, hanging out with people, talking to people, more time doing that than sitting in the lectures. Of course, the lectures are always amazing, but I think with the technology today, we can hear so many of these amazing speakers on you know, TED talks and YouTube and podcasts and the books. Like I, through the pandemic, I spent so many hours doing that. So I really tried to focus on the piece that had been missing. So yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that at the conferences. Yeah. Uh, biohacking conference, meet Delic, A4M. Yeah. Conference queen. Conference queen. I'm a conference junkie. Love it. What about (laughs) you? I'm a conference princess. I'm working my way up. (laughs) You're very selective with your conferences. (laughs) Oh, I wish I had been to more. Well, I really just went to Upgrade, which was fast and furious and overwhelming and exciting. And it was a lot. I think this is more of like a personal reflection. I learned, I know that I have, I experienced FOMO, which is obviously fear-based. It's in the, literally in the acronym, but I learned, and I think a little bit of this learning experiences from what I've learned at Burning Man that you can't really control 
time and your experiences. And at the conference, I would get a little bit of FOMO, like, oh, I'm here right now, but I'm missing out on this or missing out on that. And trying to remind myself that exactly where I was in the moment, it was where I was supposed to be. And whoever I ended up talking to is exactly the conversation that I needed to be in and trying to release this fear of like something else that I, you know, I wasn't in the right place. And I think that extends to everything in my life. I had serious FOMO this past weekend because you were at A4M and I had to really reflect and remind myself, like I needed a weekend of recovery. And so I just kept coming back to this feels good to me. This is right. Like this, I had personalized my, (laughs) my weekend, right? Like I, that's what I needed, but yeah, you know, there's always going to be things out there. And so that's just personal for me. I'm, I'm a FOMO person and I'm working on it. (laughs) I, I think that's pretty normal. I know I, I had a little bit of that this weekend, even like the end of the day, I'm like, Oh, I should have gone to that lecture. I'm like, Renee, you talked to this person and you had an amazing conversation. That's where you were. Like, I love what you just said. Remembering that for some reason, that's where you were supposed to be. Yeah. The universe works in magical ways. I feel like I first learned that at Burning Man because you can't control the time there. And like you, you literally, it's like, if you try to find someone or get somewhere at a certain hour, it's just not going to happen. You just have to release that and just accept whatever comes. <laughs> surrender. I don't know. It's complete surrender. It's such a, it's such a wonderful, I don't know, mantra to live by principle to live by. Yeah. Definitely extends throughout Mm -hmm. every aspect of your life. Yeah. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. Just a brief interruption in today's episode to tell you about one of our favorite biohacks. And it's all about drinking wine. I personally love red wine, but anytime I drink commercial wine, it totally destroys my sleep. And I feel like crap the next day. I can even see the impact on my biometrics, like on my bio strap or my aura ring, but I see increased body temperature, elevated heart rate, a major drop in heart rate variability, all really bad things that you don't want to see as far as sleep and recovery goes. So it's really just not worth it to me, even though I love the taste of wine. So once Lauren and I discovered dry farm wines, I was so excited because I felt like I could finally drink wine again. So dry farm wines offers organic biodynamic wine. It's sugar-free keto and paleo friendly. It's lower in sulfates and it's free of toxic additives. If you want to learn more about the dirty secrets behind the wine industry, especially like about the toxic additives they're throwing in there, you'd want to go back and check out episode 62, where we interviewed Todd White. He is the founder of Dry Farm Wines and gives so much great information about what's really going on with wine in the United States and why we should really be drinking safer, cleaner, healthier wines. So if you're ready to try this amazing clean wine that we love so much, Check out today's show notes for a special link where you can actually get an extra bottle with your first order for just one penny. All right. We hope you love the wine. Let's get back to the show. All right. Also this year, we had some amazing fellow podcasters put out some great information. Lauren, I think we're like on the same train here for top podcasts. Do you want to share some of yours? Well, I made a list of podcasts that I really enjoy listening to and then also our favorite uh, our, my favorite, wow, Lauren, my favorite biohacker babes podcast. <laughs> so favorite podcasts that I listened to in the past year. I mean, number one, without a doubt is still Zach Bush on Luke's story. It's a three hour podcast that I would probably listen to a dozen times. It's so incredible. I am obsessed with Zach Bush. 
and I got to meet him at Upgrade Conference. And he gave me the longest, like most genuine loving hug. And so, oh man, I love that man. If you're not, if you're not into Zach Bush, if you don't know who that is, if you take one thing away from this podcast, look up Zach Bush. You need to know him. Yeah. So Zach Bush, um, sure this is controversial, but I love Joe Rogan, man. I think he does the work and I really appreciate what's he, what he's putting out there. Paul check will always be my number one and Ari Witten. I really enjoyed, um, the guests that he brought on and just the way that he presents information. It's really clean, efficient. And then I think yeah. podcasts that we did just thinking back, like my criteria for this was like, what did we have the most fun doing? What did I learn the most from? And what kind of like stuck with me the longest? And what comes up for me is Dr. Anna Kabeca talking about the menopausal journey and Robbie Bent, who we already mentioned today with the breath work and making biohacking cool, not in an alcohol enriched environment. Wade Lightheart, who is plant based and is like, has his nutrition and fitness dialed in because of intuitive practices, but also his research on digestive enzymes, just the power of enzymes to enhance nutrient absorption, but also to heal our guts. I'm like, so I'm enzymes are my top, top, top priority. And he's just an awesome guy. And then Dr. Porter, of course, learning about heart coherence and the brain top device, which we both love. Yeah. I have to say same, same to all of the above, all amazing podcasts. Um, the only other one I would add is Rob Wolf, healthy rebellion. I think he is, he's touched on some good topics this year. I, I really like his perspective on things. Well, he's fearless. He'll just like say whatever, which I appreciate. Mom loves Rob Wolf as well. I'm just not a fan. Cause I, I feel like they don't, doesn't seem like they plan out what they're going to say. And sometimes I have a hard time uh, hanging It's in very conversational. Yeah. 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 And so then who think- am I to judge? Because that's what we're doing today. So <laughs> I know exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Wolf is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think to add one more from biohacker babes, I really enjoyed having Ben Azadi on the podcast. And then we were fortunate enough to also be on his podcast, but he has the keto camp podcast. I just love what he's doing. I mean, his mission to literally help, I think it's like 1 billion people or something. And it's really all about like metabolic health. Of course, there's a big push for keto, but how to do keto correctly. He's not just like, everyone should be on a ketogenic diet. It's like how to phase in and phase out what women should be doing. But he, man, you follow him on Instagram. Like every morning he wakes up with so much energy, like with the sunrise He's very motivational, inspirational, man. The energy is just amazing. I love him. Yeah. He's great. Such a genuine guy. I also got an amazing yeah. hug from him at upgrade conference. Maybe I'm going to just start like judging people based on their hug giving, <laughs> but do they hug heart to heart? No. The number of times I've had grab someone's shoulders and be like left side. <laughs> yeah. We need to like teach that everyone listening, hug heart to heart. It's a little awkward if you miss it because you might end up headbutting. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels good. feels good if you land yeah. there. <laughs> <Love> yeah. <it. laughs> All about the hugs. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
this is certainly not a minimum effective dose podcast or minimalist in any way. So I think we should kind of run through these quickly. Our future forecast for 22, 22, 2022, would be next year. Quick list. So I think more research on psychedelics for therapeutic use, but also just enhancing consciousness and um, hopefully getting to the root cause of our mental health epidemic. Better access to peptides. We saw like a major shutdown in access and I've had great success with peptides, but they're harder to get at the moment. I think that is turning around. I think it's changing after what I saw and heard over the weekend at anti-aging conference. I think it's going to make a comeback as far as regulations. I hope so. And we have a cool episode coming out in January, more about peptides. I think you guys are going to learn a lot. Yes. With Jay Campbell. That's going to be great. Neurostimulation devices. I mean, I would put brain tap in that category, but I think people are really starting to acknowledge the benefits of how the brain really instructs the body to do everything else. We have to take care of our brains and there's some cool devices that are coming out. And I think we're going to continue to see more and more mobility. You knew I was going to say that at some point (laughs) you had to throw it in there. I had to, because I care about it so much. It's so important. And people still think that it's yoga and it's not yoga. It's really important. And I am on a mission to make mobility mainstream. I think it's happening and my ego is kicking in. Credit me. (laughs) You heard it here. I'm pushing it. No, but I think there's some wonderful practitioners that are really trying to also spread this mission. And yeah, I think our bodies, our longevity and health span can really benefit from mobility. I agree. I know I'm always needing to up my mobility. So thanks for the reminder. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Also, we think social events without alcohol. I swear every day I see on Instagram, there's like another non-alcoholic nootropic, calming drink, something, because I think, I don't know if it's just that with all the toxins in the world and the stress and everything that we're seeing a bigger impact on like how crappy we feel with alcohol. So I think it's like two parts. Like people don't want to feel like crap anymore, but they still want to go out and socialize. So it's like, how do we blend those two worlds? And of course we have people like Robbie Bent trying to make breath work and all of that cool on a Friday night. But all these drinks, like over the weekend, I tried this new ketone drink. It's the first ethanol-free ketone alcoholic drink. I don't know. So you like you get a buzz, but there's no ethanol, which is super toxic, right? Hmm. Um, so things like that, the kava, feel free tonic that has kava and kratom. So Ooh. there's like a yeah, who kratom. Has anyone tried that? <laughs> Chime in. So yeah, I think definitely a big movement with all of that. I love it. I support that. Yes. More of those. And I think just to see more of those popping up in bars, like I know, you know, California and New York are a little bit more ahead of the times with that. You know, there's bars that have seed lips and what's the other one? Three spirit, like things like that that are popping up in public places is pretty cool. Oh, and kava bars. Like I just found out there's a kava bar a mile down the street from my house. I need (gasps) to go check it out. Yeah. I'm going to visit. Can we go? Yes. I'm going to start telling my friends, like, that's where I'm going to meet you on a Friday night. So Yeah. So definitely a big movement there. And then I think more wearables, hopefully in a good way that are looking at heart rate variability and recovery. I actually just saw a commercial on TV this morning. I think it was the Fitbit that they're doing HRV now. It was one of those wearables that like, really? Yeah. And it was like, 
wake up and get your recovery score before you go run your morning jog or whatever. So I think there's going to be a big push for HRV and, and recovery next year. Yeah. Well, yeah. and with the, the new app that we can't talk about, but we're really excited yes. about. <laughs> yes. Also more conferences. Yay. I'm already buying all my tickets. Okay. So if anyone wants to come hang out with us in 2022, I'm just going to throw out top three. I know I will definitely be at biohacking Congress in March in Las Vegas. Come visit me. We'll have a great time. Paleo effects is finally back after two years. It's finally back. That's in Uh, April in Austin. Yes. Whole family is going to be there. Come hang out with us. And then a new one for me this year that I just promised a friend I would get my ticket for the metabolic health summit. It's going to be in May in Santa Barbara. So that one is finally back after the pandemic. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to at least two of those. All right. Doing it. Doing it. All right. You heard her say it here. I'm holding you to it. Yeah. Does Burning Man count as a conference? (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) Um, Learning experience. (laughs) Yeah. It all counts. And then I threw one more to this list. I think something we're going to see is a fusion between clean beauty products and anti-aging products. So obviously there's been been a big movement with cleaner beauty products, but for so long, they were kind of like not great smelling. They didn't really impact your skin, but it was toxin-free. So you're like, great, but I'm walking Mm -hmm. around smelling like oregano oil. So I think beauty counter has already done a great job with that. (laughs) Like they smell great. They're very clean, but the anti-aging world where I think they were maybe using more chemicals, but they were seeing improvements in skin health. I think there's going to be a fusion and our good friends over at young goose. I just talked to them over the weekend. They're doing some great research on using like NAD and resveratrol in products and it's super clean. So Mm. I think we're going to see more of that next year. Love that. Yeah. Very cool. All right. We got to fire off a a few more quick things. I just realized that we did not talk about regenerative agriculture, just as something that was trending a little bit more this past year. I think just more awareness about why we need regenerative agriculture. And I just think um, someone like Diana Rogers, it's really doing some great work and educating the public about it. Lots of documentaries popping up. People are, you know, starting to understand that maybe plant-based is not the way to help the planet or help our guts or our health. So I just had to throw that in there. I think that's really awesome. Good point. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And we have Autumn Smith coming on the podcast in two weeks and she'll talk a little bit more about that. So definitely stay tuned. <gasps> yes. Oh, we love, love Autumn. her. We love, love her, her so much. <laughs> she's our friend. We haven't met her in person, but she's, she's my best, best friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Amazing. Okay. Quick questions. Renee, biggest lesson learned this year. You're in the hot seat. All right. Biggest lesson is the importance of community. I really focused more on that this year. Like I said, even at the conferences, I spent more time with people rather than sitting in a lecture hall and on the weekend, spending more time with family. And I have honestly noticed such a difference in my mood and my overall happiness. Like even just like an amazing Saturday night, that happiness, like it lasts through the week. I just feel like my heart is just so happy. It's just so happy. Like I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. And I really like have to attribute that to friends and family. The community is everything to me. That makes me so happy. And I get to spend time with you, even though virtually. Yeah. 
So great. They're still love together. You. I love, love you, you too. <laughs> All right. What was your biggest lesson? My biggest lesson, and this is a recent one that I guess was my biggest takeaway. Not, I guess it was my biggest takeaway from be love now that I can be joyful at any moment in every moment of every day. And so my work life has been going through quite a huge transition. Also personal life, just because I'm, I'm basically in Maryland right now, way more than I'm in New York. And so just lots of schedule changes and, and more stress. And I learned from the Be Love Now program that we have access to joy at any time. And I think just having that awareness that we can be grateful for what we are living in this moment and, you know, kind of clue into like the beauty and the all all around us, whether that be just be connecting with nature or just taking a moment to reflect. I think stress can get us so funnel or for me can just kind of wind me up and funnel me into this, you know, what's next, or this is, I have a million things to do rather than just being joyful now, right? I'm not working towards joy. I am always in joy and that's a choice. So yeah. Thank beautiful. you to be love now. That is the 12th guiding spiritual principle, which we had to work up to, but man, that program is life-changing. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Ooh, okay. Last one, new year's resolutions. You got one? Yeah. It probably tags a little bit onto what you just said. Slowing down. I always got to come back to this. I'm going to focus more on it in the new year. And then a goal is to schedule a wellness retreat. I have been wanting to do this for so many years. I'm finally going to make it happen. Ryan and I just had to cancel our cruise. We've had this cruise booked for two years and the pandemic keeps pushing it back. But now due to mandatory rules, we are not allowed on the cruise ship. So that's canceled and I'm going to replace it with a wellness retreat. I got to talk to you more off air, maybe Costa Rica or something really, really cool. Oh, so well, you know, I'm going to Costa Rica in February. I know. I know. We'll chat more. We'll <laughs> survey the land and then we can go back. Okay. Um, well, I'm also in the midst of planning a retreat, a, w- a women's retreat to Dominican Republic with our friend Dasha. And I know she's going to want you to do one too, but yeah. Okay. I'm on board with this resolution. Retreats. Retreats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to go on a vacation where I come back feeling better. You know what I mean? Versus one of those vacations where it's like, go, go, go. Not feeling super healthy. I'm kind of over that. Same. Yeah. All right. What about you? 2022. (laughs) This is my confession. I tell everyone to not work late and be on their devices. So I'm confessing to all of you, whoever is listening my resolution is to not work after 8 p.m. And I'm telling you that because I want accountability. Um, I've been really okay. bad about it. I, I was good about it for a long time. And in this transition of my work changing over the last couple of months, it has gotten away from me and I have lost my boundaries. So I am resolving to stop working by 8 p.m. I mean, ideally, I would love that to be 6 p.m. But we'll, we'll start with 8 p.m. I think eight's a good start because... Keep in mind your podcast partner on the West Coast, that will be five o'clock. So I'm not allowed to bother you after five. It's all your fault. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. All right. I will help you with your new, new Year's resolution. Yeah. 
And I think it's just important with a resolution to really have a plan, like how are you going to track that? And then like, what do you do to get back on track? So step one, I think is just accountability. So I'm confessing that to you. So whoever is listening, including you, Renee, do you want to give me gentle reminders and, and how am I going to track it? You know, I said that was important and I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Maybe you keep a note, like a notepad or note on your phone of every day that you do stop working by eight. And like give myself a gold star or I get extra chocolate or something. Yeah. Is there a a reward? Chocolate. Chocolate's always a good one. But you know what really helps with Be Love Now is in the WhatsApp chat we had to write every time we finished our journaling and meditation and having that accountability, like knowing that if I didn't write that, then I did not, like I'm going to let everybody down. Hmm. Accountability, man. It's a big one. Yeah. All right. We're kind of ending this on a question mark, but I'm going to, I have a few, a few days left in the year to figure that out. Yeah. Well, we'll work together. Don't worry. All right. All right. 2021. It's been it an amazing year. It was an amazing year. It was a stressful year and a lot of nonsense and a lot of beauty. <laughs> it, was just, it was like everything was larger than life. But and the I'm nonsense, yeah, the nonsense and the craziness makes you appreciate the joy. Can I say more of the joy? I don't know. More of the joy and it's all information. So I'm grateful for 2021. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to all of you for listening. I know we blabbered on for way too long, but yeah. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Yeah. We appreciate you. All right. Lots more fun to come in 2022. As always, let us know what you want to hear more about. Gosh, these topics just never end. There's so much. So we really do value your opinions and want to give you the education empowerment that you desire. So let us know what that is. And we hope you have a healthy happy, joyful in this moment, holidays and a wonderful new year's. And we'll see you soon. All right. We'll see you next year. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast, head over to Apple podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support until then. Happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.